A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Only 211 days until the Euros, everybody. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Who will start for England next summer and who could surprise us all? I'm Marcus Speller. And I'm Luke Moore. Now, everybody, with England's spot secure for the Euros next summer and only one more squad left for Gareth Southgate to pick in the March international break, Luke and I wanted to bring you a special episode all about the state of play for the England team right now. (laughs) Carry on. Well, Luke, on today's show, we're going to have you performing some songs. Here I am. There we are. You've got the first one. Friday night's all right. (laughs) right. We're going to each pick our um, 11, which we think England should start the tournament with next June. Um, and, and an 11 which we think will they'll play in, in the knockouts should they progress there and against the, the big The best side. 11. The best the 11. The best 11, we'll call it. And then we're going to answer your questions on some of the biggest challenges facing Southgate um, as well. We've had over 300 questions across our show, socials, so thank you so much for those. I really do appreciate that. Um, so first of all, let's start with our 11s. We'll go back to front. Uh, Luke Moore, over to you. The formation, are you going back to 4-4-2? Let's see uh, how often Marcus can tell me I'm wrong in this next next feature. Well, no, you... I'm not going 4-4-2. I'm, I'm going 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3, you know, whatever. Yeah. However you want to look at it. Let's call it a 4-5-1. There's going to be roles. <laughs> there, there will be roles to be performed of a different nature within the midfield, right. shall we say, and within the, the forward line. So if you want to call it a 4-2-3-1, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Just so you know, for the record... Um, because we know how interested people are in this kind of thing, because as Marcus has said, we had so much correspondence about the show when we were about to record it. Opta lists the formation that England played against Italy in the 3-1 win most recently mm. as a 4-2-3-1. Now, I know that some people would call it a 4-3-3. That's wow. the point of what I'm trying to get to. We haven't got to get bogged down in that. No. But anyway, so here we go. So I would say that yeah. we're going to have to have Pickford in goal. And that's a pretty easy one. 
Um, you're looking at me like that because you know I've slagged him off in the past. Well, I didn't like the way you worded that. We have to have him in goal. Get used to the idea that I'm going to name some players here that I've slagged off in the past <laughs> this is because like... I have to. No, no, no. no I, and I will be smug about that, but um, it just, you know... You've picked someone who who I agree with, by the way, but you've had a little dig as well. Well, let me let me let me clarify it. All right, okay. The reason we have to do it yes. is because there are clearly issues with the current situation that Aaron Ramsdale finds himself in, mm-hmm. who would be seen as the next best thing. Um, Sam Johnson, who currently makes up the third choice keeper, probably isn't at the same level. Is Nick Pope's kicking not up for you? And we've all seen Nick Pope in the flesh kick the ball now, and so I'd like to change my opinion on that. So anyway, Pickford is the goalkeeper. Right. I don't imagine you'll be um, putting your money where your mouth is and saying anything different anyway when it comes to you. Um, so that's the goalkeeper. Um, right back and left back, I've gone for the Neville brothers. <laughs> No, I haven't. I've gone for my back four. Do you want to go from left back to right back or right back to left back? Um, I tend to go from left back to right back, but I know others do it the other way around. So it's up to you. You're clear as mud. <laughs> All right, first up, Start with your sweeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so go from, left back, left back. From left back to right back, I've gone Shaw. Yep. Maguire. Oh. Suddenly but the hunter has become the hunted. Get fucked. <laughs> Stones. Okay. And Walker. Right. Um, do you want me to justify those or do you want to do yours first? I just, you know, Maguire's not, he's, he's, you know, he's been really bad, has he not, Luke? He's not starting for Manchester United up until recently. Sure. Why have you gone for Maguire? Stones. No. Sure. Dunk. <laughs> St- no. So basically, I could make an argument, I think, mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. that Lewis Dunk could play ahead of Maguire. But you've not picked him though, have you? I haven't, mm-hmm. but I think Dunk has regularly played on the left side of, of, of the centre-backs. He's right footed in doing so the same way Maguire is um, Maguire only came into the England setup, I think from the, the middle to the end of 2017 um, at least sort of latish yeah and then started in the 2018 World Cup and yeah. it's kind of been there around there ever since so he has been a, been a storm so what I'm saying is he's not it's not too late for someone like Dunk but for me in summary Pickford Shaw who's not fit at the moment but we hope to be fit by then is I think the best of those options mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Maguire Stones Walker. Interesting. And, and I agree with that. I've gone for, for the same as you. Okay. We've had a lot of questions about the left-back position, interestingly, including from uh, Adam P. And that's perhaps because Chilwell and Shaw are the names we think, um, and they're both injured. So the depth, if it's a question about depth, mm-hmm. then the best way to think about it, I would say, is that you've probably got a hierarchy of Shaw, Chilwell and Trippier. Yeah, I think so. And then and that's how the problem solved. If you've got three options, and Trippier can do it. I mean, Trippier played left-back against Italy and England won handily. I know Italy aren't yeah, perhaps in transition themselves and maybe you'd be a bit more nervous about coming up against mm-hmm. the France with him in that position. But ultimately, if you're down to your third-choice left-back... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just life. That's one of those and, things. And people might say, well, Italy's goal came from that side. Yeah, but I mean, Italy could have scored from the other side as well with Walker. When, they should uh, have. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, fine. So we're all, we're all agreed with the goalkeeper and back four. I think the midfield is um, quite an interesting little one. We've, a few listeners, um, including uh, Kraftwerk, uh, wanted to Great know... Great name. It's spelt like Emil Kraft. Yeah. I like that. Well, well so Kraftwerk wanted to know who should be the profile of the third man alongside Rice and Bellingham in that midfield to get the best out of them. I think a lot of people are thinking that, but Luke, are you one of those people? I am kind of thinking about that, and I think just for, for the avoidance of doubt in my 4-2-3-1 type formation, um, for the purpose of this, I think I'll just, I'll just treat it as a 4-3-3 very, very quickly. Okay. I'd have Rice there, mm. uh, and I'd have Bellingham further forward. Yep. Uh, you build a team around Bellingham, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays further forward, kind of in the hole. 
and alongside Rice, mm-hmm. I probably would still have Phillips. Right. But I can see the argument for having a Conor Gallagher in there, perhaps. Gallagher's having a good season. Having a good season. He's full of industry, yep. full of athleticism. He can do a lot of um, pressing. He can do a lot of a lot of things, really. Mm-hmm. And if you limit him, I think, to, I know he has occasionally and more recently played further forward for Chelsea in that position I've put Bellingham in. He's not going to get in ahead of Bellingham, obviously. He can play further back. Mm-hmm. I think if you have more legs in there, particularly when you take into account that Phillips, unless he moves in January, isn't going to play an awful lot of football, I think Gallagher becomes an attractive option. Mm-hmm. I've been someone in the past who's kind of uh, scratched my head a bit about what Gallagher offers. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, actually. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Mm. Um, I'm heading it off before you can. <laughs> um, I feel like I get it now, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm just a bit slow on the uptake. He's been important for Chelsea, mm-hmm. and they've and he's been good for them. You know, they've they've started to, time of recording. They've started to play much much better, and and they're, they're capable of, of of taking teams the distance as we've seen with City and and with Spurs. So, look, I think for me for now, mm-hmm. it's Phillips and Rice with Bellingham a bit further forward. Mm-hmm. But I I wouldn't want to lose either Rice or Bellingham. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think Gallagher maybe offers you something a little bit different in that role, and maybe if it's done well, can give you a bit more of a balance. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you with that mm. midfield three. There seems to be a thing um, of some people that, that I think everybody is 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 all in on Rice and Bellingham, actually. I, I've not really, I don't think I've spoken to anybody who who would say otherwise, certainly not about Bellingham, but I think Rice is crucial. Um, it is that it is that other position. So a listener, Ali, suggested Conor Gallagher would be the perfect balance to that midfield. Um, Will W said, Conor Gallagher gives me Alan Ball vibes. Yeah, as, I can as, see that as, all the, as a player. Does all the hard, <laughs> all the, um, all the hard uh, work. Put him in the midfield yet. to do everything uh, to yeah. do everyone else's everyone else's running. Um, there are also plenty of shouts for Sean Longstaff to be brought into the fold. Well, we laughed that out of town, didn't we? You laughed did. Couple, you did. Well, yeah. Here we go again. We laughed. At, luckily, I've got strong shoulders, mate. You, you, Jim and well, Pete you, or Vish would better deal with this kind of treatment. They, they, well, that's why you're in the chair. I would ignore you. But you have done a lot of heavy lifting on those shoulders because of all these things. I'm you've the said. fucking Alan Ball. This shot. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. After all, I think. We perhaps have been too dismissive of Newcastle players being involved. Um, I, I don't hate the idea that you bring someone in to give them a feel for the setup. The same way we were talking yesterday about you know doing that for for Rico Lewis or or for perhaps one or two others. Um, at this point, I think it's quite hard to make the argument for for that at the moment, Look, given the Newcastle start to the season, which has been good in places. Yeah. Uh, but they still sit, you know, below where they want to be. I, th- I think you could just say that it's realistic; it's not going to happen. I want to be. I want to be accommodating and okay. interested in people's points. That's all. Well, you've changed, and we're, we're appreciative <laughs> of that for now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think. I think though, the, with, with the midfield, I think that that third man, as um, as Kraftwerk put it, is is actually that's think, the talking I, point. I think. I think that uh, it's been framed correctly there by Crawford because it changes the dynamic of the midfield some people will think well come on what about Trent Alexander-Arnold in that midfield position or um, Stones <laughs> no Stones is going to be a centre-half the, the, the reason he's not going to be moved forward is because we need him at the back exactly so so if you look at say Alexander-Arnold we know what a wand of a right foot he's got but if he comes in there you are looking at Rice as the pivot and then Bellingham has to kind of slot back a little bit you are shackling him a little bit which you don't want, and if and and a lot of people have been saying, well, what about Madison and Bellingham in there? And I think we're getting into sort of Sven territory there, on, yeah. on, on managerial. Well, which Sven. you mean bringing as many players as you can? <laughs> yeah, specifically that part of Sven's character and I, I, and and uh, you know. I, I think if we are going to talk about Madison in this particular section, you know, as, as a midfield player, mm-hmm. I think Madison at the moment 
probably has to be satisfied with being the backup to Bellingham. Which is pretty much what Southgate said. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I didn't hear him say that. When did he say he that? He said that, you know, we've got a lot of players in that in that area. Yeah, it's a good backup. Look, Bellingham's currently injured. I know Madison is as well. It's okay to have very, very good backups in certain positions, you know, rather than trying to play fantasy. That's sometimes football. how it has to be. Yeah, so I think that that, that third man position is, is interesting. The only other person, which I'm going to quickly um, shout out in, in, with regard to that, is some people saying, why not Ward-Prowse? Because Ward-Prowse, if you look at his heat maps, and I know we, some people like to do all that and so on, it's interesting on Sky Sports they were looking at it. He actually, his heat map, where he plays positionally, is actually in um, in that um, area that, that perhaps is more desired for the two behind Bellingham. He plays in that position more than Rice has done for Arsenal. And he gives you a set-piece dynamic. Yeah, so... I, I, and I and also, in, and industry-wise, he, 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 his, his, um, you know, the, the, the distance he covers on the pitch is one of the best in the league. So I know people won't necessarily care too much about what I think about Ward-Prowse for a number of different reasons. I've flipped up to him a bit. He's a Southampton player. I've perhaps been not as objective as I can be about him. I just don't think he's as good as Rice. Okay. And if he gets around the pitch more, fine. No, but next to Rice. Next to Rice is interesting, but I mean, it's probably a bit late for this stuff now. Mm-hmm. And I think that... It's hard, isn't it, to compare? Because what do you think Phillips has tried and tested? Southgate knows what he gets. Phillips started a Euros final. He's played big games well, for England. And Conor Gallagher offers something a little bit different and he's playing at a high level at Chelsea. Well, it's almost a bit like you get a wine list out. You know, you're going for a nice Sunday roast and you're having mm-hmm. a nice bit of beef. You know, you look at the red wine. Mm. You know, there's a lot of red wine that goes with beef. Which one do you prefer? Jordan Henderson. <laughs> Not, but Henderson's a fucking apple tiger. So would you would do you have Ward Prowse instead of Henderson in the squad? I would actually, yeah. But do you think Henderson's in there because of that, you know, status as being the elder? We, we don't know what he brings behind the scenes. Okay, but in pure football and I know I've spoken to people who have been around the England squad mm-hmm. recently, actually, in terms of the media side. And they have said to me, in fact, one of them said to me, little word of warning, because I've heard your stuff on Henderson, just remember, off the pitch, behind the scenes, he does actually bring a lot to that setup. Indeed, and I think and that's So that's it. a factor. Yeah. But the red wine, the pained red wine analogy is just that my point is that there's a few different red wines that go with beef. Right. But it depends which one you prefer. You used to use a fish and chips analogy for this. You've changed. I've changed. Mate. I've sold out. You really have. Um, so, so I think, I, I think, look, are you going to be, be honest with yourself here, I'll mm. throw the question back at you. Yep. If England start, as you said at the start of the show, a big knockout game against a good team mm-hmm. and he chooses to pick Ward-Prowse in the base of midfield, yeah. are you happy with that? Yeah, no, I, and I think that's it. I the think, answer's I, no, isn't it? The answer's no, but uh, but in the squad. Squad is fine. I've said I'll put yeah. him in there, uh, Henderson. There you go. Okay, so you've answered that one then. Let's go on to the front three. So the front re- three in a way So we've tricky. agreed everything so far. So we can go Pickford, left back Luke Shaw, centre-halves Maguire and Stones, right back Carl Walker. In the midfield, we've got a base of Rice and Phillips. And, and Bellingham in front. So we're, you and I are agreed with eight um, out of eight so far. so far. Front three. I'm not having Kane. Right. <laughs> no. So we're so, agreed on that. So no, I, I, in many ways, though, I think this is the most interesting so who's flanking discussion. flanking Kane? And I did say flanking. <laughs> Kane's in there. So there's nine that we agree <laughs> He's on. He's in on merit. He's in on merit, I'll say so. He's just about convinced me. Um, <laughs> although I won't forget that second penalty against Shut Mark. up. Um, so the wide positions are really interesting. And yeah. the reason I think that, and I've thought this for a while, is because I do think this is the, probably the area where although you have to bear in mind the relationship with the fullbacks behind them, mm-hmm. that's a part of it. But you can, England have got a luxury where they can afford to pick the players they want in those positions, depend on how Southgate and Holland see the challenge to be met. Yes. So, for, for example, here's an example. When Pedro Porro played right back for Spain against Scotland at Hamden, mm-hmm. Scotland won 2 now, right? He had a beast. He had a nightmare. Yeah. And the reason he had a nightmare is he put on a huge amount of pressure by Andy Robertson, mm-hmm. which caused the first goal. 
And then he got rinsed again in the second half by Kieran Tenney because he's got amazing legs and Porro just couldn't deal with it, mm-hmm. right? If England play against Spain, mm-hmm. would England look at that and say, if Pedro Porro is going to play right back for Spain, here's what he doesn't like. Yeah. So we're picking this guy. If that's the case, then it's really just pick who you think is best. It's sure. your judgment. Yeah. But because of the purpose of this show, I have to um, yeah. pick people. I think if we're assuming everyone's back on form and they get over the particular issues, the injuries and the mm-hmm. perhaps slight issues with form they may have, I think I'd probably pick Saka in Rashford. Really? I think I would. Yeah, I think I would. I, I think mean, I think he'll. Pick, I also think he'll pick Saka for sure. Well, Saka has started on the right in all five of um, the opening qualifiers that England played. It was Foden, Kane, Rashford for the game against Scotland and the last game against Italy, which Saka was of course injured for. But I think Saka is you know is one back to back England Player of the Year uh, awards. I th- I th- it's hard to say you leave him out. Saka's been scintillating in an England shirt. Let's be honest. I would agree totally with with Saka. Um, obviously, Kane's in there. The other one is that's the one I'm sort of I'm not sure about Rashford. I think what what Southgate is tended to do, if my memory serves me correctly, is use Rashford as an impact sub or start him in the games England are expected to win. So against Scotland, um, I know Saka was was injured and he, and he shuffled it a little bit. You, you're playing against a team who you think Rashford should, you should just go out. Wales in the World Cup would be a better you example. You just back yourself to be better. Exactly. That, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I think that's it. Well, but, but the thinking, I'm sorry to cut in, but the thinking here with Rashford mm-hmm. is that I'll throw that back at you then because I, you know, he he picked Foden against France yeah. and he didn't really do much. Yeah. Foden wasn't, it wasn't a great game, but Foden didn't have a great game. No, um, but Foden, Foden had, a, you know, against, was it Senegal he scored or was it against Wales he scored? Forgive me, my memory shouldn't. So we're talking about the big games where we, because we, yeah, we are. perhaps arrogantly, we're expecting us to get through a group. Well, no, but England are among the favourites for the tournament, so you do expect They are joint favourites with France. Yeah, so, so you do expect them to go through. It's not an arrogant thing at all. I mean, it's it's where the smart money would be. Mm. You know, again, if, if, if people are going to say, well, you know, France might get a tricky group. France should be in the latter stages of this tournament. Mm. Um, so I still would, would, I would feel Foden ahead of Rashford, I think. That would be the only difference, but it's not a particularly strong feeling. And I think that's the beauty of these positions. Whoever Southgate goes with, to be honest with you, I know he's not been in the past five squads, but it wouldn't shock me if like Raheem Sterling started. Now, people might go, hang on a minute, as, as you've just said, he's not been in the last mm. five squads. He's been a crucial player to England. The only thing is the way England played in the Euros was trying to get um, a, a, a lot of the strengths out of Sterling. You know, that kind of the cheat code was almost get down the line, cut back, and then Sterling was there to tap in. The goal against Germany was a good example of that. So, With so, Bellingham yeah. in the side, you know, then you've got to start thinking, actually, who complements Kane and Bellingham uh, better? So I think I think Sterling, I still would have him in the squad. I would probably drop Bowen for him. And I know West Ham fans will be angry about that, and Bowen's been brilliant. But this is the quality you have in these areas. That's what I would probably do. But starting, I would probably go, I would go for Foden. So, so the reality is you've got Foden, Rashford, Grealish, Madison can play off the left. That's not his best position. But that's probably not where Southgate sees him, maybe. I don't think he does, but my point is there's a lot of options. There is there's a lot of options. Even, even well, as I say, Sterling's not even getting in the squad. Sterling. So it's, it's, Cole Palmer's it, just come into the, the squad. Let well. me illustrate the example a bit more so you can have your own say on it. Mm. If England get drawn against Belgium, in the Euros, the Belgium will probably qualify, right? I think they have qualified. Mm-hmm. They, they've done really well. They haven't lost a game. Well, they're just a big side who, yeah, big team. You know, um, they played Timothy Castagna at right back. Yeah, plays for Fulham. Fine player. But but you would know the reason I'm using it as an example is because he plays for the team that you support. Mm-hmm. So you would have a good understanding of which left 
wide forward mm-hmm. is going to have the most joy against him. Yeah, I see what and you that's mean. how you pick your left forward. Well, and I think yeah, you're right. I think, but I think Sack is such a special player and such a talent. I think whoever you've got there, I think you put him in, and I think that really is. But he's off the right. Uh, sorry, off the right. Yeah, uh, but he's such a talented player and whatnot, and has done so much in an England shirt. Is is that's how good he is, and that's what he's done. He's got that position nailed down. Um, it is that left sided forward position. People have talked about the midfield, but we think if you want to get the best out of Bellingham, you go with Rice and, and Phillips. Definitely, it's, um, a match, it's, it's a great balance. So that left forward position is the one that I think is up for grabs. Currently, I think Foden against the top quality opponents, you're thinking maybe Rashford. So I, I, I think the main thing to take is that if you set it up right, it doesn't matter who you play against. If he's on form, Bellingham will kill you dead. He will. He'll <laughs> yeah. kill any team dead. Yeah. If, if, if he can play with freedom in the form that he's been in and mm-hmm. he's fully fit, he will be the best player at the Euros. Okay, so in summary, you're 11, Luke. Uh, Pickford... Shaw, Maguire, Stones, Walker, Phillips, Rice, Bellingham slightly further ahead of him, Saka on the right, Rashford on the left, and Kane up front. So that is my 11, but I'm subbing in Foden for Rashford. Yeah. There we are. All right, we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to tackle your questions. See you in a moment. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Hello, I am Sven Goran Eriksson and you are listening to the Football Ramble. 
my goodness. Suddenly we've got no clothes on. I knew he'd get in there somehow. <laughs> um, oh dear. Right, it's time to tackle your questions, everybody. Luke, what have we got first? Yeah, first up is a question. But by the way, look, we did get so many of these. Yeah. I know it's a really kind of self-aggrandizing thing to say, but we've picked the best, the most interesting ones that have talking points. So thank you if you did send one in and it's not been read out. We will do more of these shows between now and the Euros, obviously. So hopefully we'll get to them when they become uh, a bit more germane. Uh, but Sam um, Fenton Rowe um, asks... Do you think that Southgate's stubbornness and arrogance in regards to selection around Maguire, Henderson, Phillips, Sterling, etc. would ultimately be a barrier to England having success at the Euros next year? And I'll bundle that up with quite a lot of people, because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a variation on the same question. A lot of people <clears throat> asked if Southgate has enough tactical adaptability to win a tournament. So I guess it's the sticking with favourites, the perceived stubbornness and the tactical versatility. Does all of that get in the way of England doing well next summer? Or winning a tournament. I mean, you know, there were a few kicks away from winning a tournament. So I would say no. Um, I mean, yeah. it's funny. That, so the players that, that Sam has mentioned there. Sterling, that's unfortunate. So, so I, I get his point. <laughs> He's I, hammered for not picking Sterling last week. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to drill down on that and be um, nitpicky because I understand um, Sam's uh, questioning. I mean, it's picking Maguire, that was... That was a big talking point. And actually, I thought it was Maguire that has helped... Uh, sorry, Southgate, who's certainly in the media, has helped change the rhetoric a little bit around Maguire when he just went, it's an absolute joke, the treatment he's been getting. And then suddenly start, people started saying, oh, yeah, it has been a bit over the top. And, and and perhaps people are thinking that now. I think the reason why he stuck with him is with Maguire, he's been such a stalwart and such an important player. And it's an international level, you get very, very little opportunity. I think if Maguire hadn't been starting games and he'd been in the same situation had he had been at the start of the tournament... I think once you got to that group in March, it's very, very difficult. But he also knows that what he can bring, and Stones has been playing next to him, and defence has been very strong for England in tournaments. It's a very, very difficult thing. Phillips, again, when he came in against Scotland, he looked good, and he didn't look like he lacked minutes. And who else do you... Uh, we talked about perhaps Gallagher playing ahead of him yeah. if he carries on the way he's going. Mm. But I don't think there's a solid argument against him being in the squad. No, exactly. Henderson's the one. Yeah, that you would say, and I understand that. But you mentioned it in the first half, the importance he brings and so on. So, I mean, we should say that Sam didn't say stubbornness or arrogance. He said stubbornness slash arrogance. You know, pick whichever you think is is it. I don't think it's uh, yeah, arrogance. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it isn't arrogance, but I think, do you know what I think it might be, Sam, mm. is that I think it might be that there's a bit more of a prickliness about Southgate now. And and I that's, think that's partly because he's been in the job for a bit longer yeah. and he's probably a little bit browbeaten. Yeah. It was very. It's very easy to forget that when he came in mm. and started doing well, you're never going to get that kind of feeling around him and the team that you had in 2018 because no. it was new and it was fresh and it yeah. was a new start and yeah. everyone bought into it. Yeah. That doesn't mean England won't do better. In, mm-hmm. It may even win next summer. They may do. The feeling leading up to it won't be the same. Yeah. So I think people will be there. There'll be an element of people where they'll be going because of these perceived ideas that I've got about Southgate because I've had a long, longer time watching him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to win the next game and yeah. then the next game yeah. and then the next game. Yeah. So I think really, I, I think Southgate has become more prickly and a bit more standoffish uh, in, 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 in contrast to the way he started his tenure where he got everyone around and, and mm-hmm. invited all the journalists in and did an open thing. And I also think that England fans, if they're being honest with themselves, have also just got a little bit bored and have a lot more time to focus on the negatives. Mm-hmm. Of which there haven't been that many overall, have there? No, no, I don't think there has at all. I think, but I think he got the Henderson thing wrong at the time, and I still think that now. Okay, well, with the Maguire thing, I think also there was not a standout candidate as well. 
Yeah. I think there was a few names. There was no one knocking it. on the door, exactly. like, making, so, the, uh, making the thing. It, it, like, it, like when Grealish was going mental and everyone was like, he's got to be in the team. Yeah. There's none of that there. No. Um, with regards to the point about Southgate's tactical adaptability, I think that in-game tactical um, adaptability is different, a different thing. And I think that there's maybe an argument there. He's been a bit slow traditionally with substitutes and trying to change the game. We saw that in the Euros final against Italy, which seems a long time ago now, and there has been a World Cup since then. But that was a good example of, right, you, you have to try and change something. But it, but at the same time as well, he's you know it's also on the players, that kind of stuff. I think that he is a bit more tactical. Um, it, it, it can adapt tactically a bit more. Him and Holland, of course, it's not just, just Southgate. You look at 2018, just to go through it very quickly, 3-5-2. It was 3-5-2 because... It wasn't a side that was really firing on that many cylinders. Da, 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 da. Right, let's go for this. Let's try and reduce the errors, blah, blah, blah. After that, right, let's be a bit more expansive. Um, Nations League is more of a 4-3-3. Come to the Euros, he starts tinkering with a 3-4-3. And in that tournament against, I think it was against Germany, and in the final, he starts with a 3-4-3. Moves to a 4-3-3 within the final. It didn't really change the dynamic of the game much. Um, come the World Cup, it's 4-3-3 because he's thinking, right, we can now play a bit more expansive. We've got to talk, think about yeah. our attacking talent rather than just go, we're a bit creaky at the back. So he has flexed, you know, been I would, a bit I would flexible also, there. I would also, but in-game, I do get that point. Though. I would also add that, ask yourself if you think that England haven't won anything because they've been tactically short. Yeah. And I would say, World Cup 2018, it was all very new. They were knackered. Mm-hmm. And they looked like it was perhaps had a little bit of a lack of flexibility and a lack of trust in some of the more peripheral players to come in and do a job for them. I don't think it was necessarily a tactical well, point. And also a midfield of Henderson, Lingard and Deli Alley, you know, all good players back then and so on. But you're playing against Modric, Rakitic, you know, that that was a golden generation for yeah. Croatia, a golden side. Against know? Italy, they in the final of Euro twenty twenty, they lost the momentum, but they were very close. Mm. I mean, you really, you're talking about a penalty well, shootout. beat them. And against France, they come up against the best team in the world and they narrowly lost. Mm. So let's do the next question because yeah, we've got okay. a few to get through, haven't we? This is from Cheesy Moments. Um, what name. do you think causes Southgate's sometimes excessive loyalty to certain players? Is it the pressure to get good results so he can feel he can't change? Is it inflexible tactics or something oh, Not else? again. Yeah, well, I find it strange that he, he keeps resisting change even when it's obviously a problem. So... And, and not too dissimilar to the previous question. Yeah, it's kind of more, we bracket them together for a reason. Look, I think on this show, the Ramble particularly, we, we we have a mandate to entertain people. We have to try and be an entertaining show rather than the kind of deep dive into the minutia of football and tactics and all the rest of it. So we, we do perhaps go a little bit over the top when we criticise people for piss-taking purposes. Yep. Harry Maguire would be one of those. Mm-hmm. you know. And we've had our set on Henderson. Um, to me, I don't know if I'd call the loyalty excessive. I think from the outside looking in, I do criticise it and I do challenge it and I do undermine it with humour I suppose because it's an entertainment Mm -hmm. show but if I'm being totally honest you know Southgate and any international manager doesn't get an awful lot of time with players Mm -hmm. and he will probably really value the time he's built up with certain players because he knows what they can do for them him he knows what kind of character they are and he knows the environment that he wants to foster which has been very important for and that's really important and when we say things like he keeps resisting change even when it's obviously a problem, is it obviously a problem? Mm. What is the problem? Mm-hmm. Is the problem that we're disappointed that England narrowly lost to France in um, in the World Cup? The problem to me is that they haven't lifted a trophy. Yeah, and that, but they, the but, problem before that again, I just you just got to glance back before Southgate took over. 
That doesn't mean to say Southgate hasn't made mistakes. doesn't mean to say that it's all wonderful and, and whatnot. You, England fans are so desperate for that trophy win. But the, 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 one of the great plus points and one of the massive wins for Southgate and co is the fact that players love meeting up with the England side. Mm. You hear what previous players have said. Do you said, think they still do? Yes. Absolutely right. You know, like you know, when Esri Konzas talks about getting a call up, he was like, "Oh my god, I, th- I thought it was a joke and all this." I c- I'm so proud. My family is so proud. There's all these kind of things. Back in the day, you talk about some of the the titans of English football in m- recent years. People like Jamie Carragher, Paul Scholes, you know, thinking, "Oh, blimey, I couldn't. Oh, I'm glad that's over now." Or, oh, we, at least we, it wasn't for, uh, for Liverpool. Well, that was Carragher's comment. Yeah. You know, some p- players saying, "Oh yeah, I just, I just wanted not to be the full guy and all this kind of stuff." Such a change, and therefore personality of players and what they bring to the actual camp is crucial to that and what they're trying mm. to build. And that's what Southgate says, you know, with this group of players, this is what we've been doing. If you start changing up too much... Perhaps you know, we're looking for problems that aren't really there. Maybe we are. I think maybe that's the case. And yeah. so perhaps we're just a little bit spoiled and a little bit... Um, getting a little bit a little bit bored of yeah. the fact that there's nothing new and exciting about Southgate because he's not that kind of guy. But the only, this is the, and this is the thing for Southgate is the only thing left now to really kind of impress people if you know what I mean even if they even if they go all the way to the final playing great football and they're just narrowly picked they've, they've got to win it yeah I think that's right um, JK uh, you're next up um, and JK has asked which player do you think has the capacity to be the surprise candidate in the Euros a la Bellingham in Euro 2020 I mean presumably we mean World Cup 2022 when Bellingham was really the surprise package right yeah people kind of knew what he could do I suppose mm. but that was when he really had his breakthrough right yeah that's when he played because yeah we're not talking about a player who's going to be called up like Walcott and just not feature at all no and I think to answer that question concisely it's realistically going to need to be an attacking player yeah. because that's how the things are. I mean, mm-hmm. if someone comes and slots in place centre back for mm-hmm. in replace of an injured Stones or whatever, you might you know, get some headlines and do really well. But ultimately, it's unlikely. Yeah, I mean, Levi Cole will maybe come in at left back or something. But I think Trippier. Even that just bored me. Then. Yeah, I think. I- <laughs> Poor old Levi. No, I think he's great, but you know what I mean. That's not really how it's going to work. That's not yeah. how the media industry works. I-, I think. I think there's an outside chance it could be someone like Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer, yeah. If he gets in there late on, he's, mm-hmm. he's in there at the moment and he sticks around and then he's relied upon, someone throws him on. And this is maybe not... Not someone, re- Southgate. Yeah, sure. Can't, um, no one else can just choose him. <laughs> <it. laughs> and he scores is, or something and he sticks in the team yeah, or whatever. This is, this is, you're, and you're not relying too much to answer this question on, on injury's sake. Because if, say, Kane got injured, you could say maybe after his ban, Ivan Tony comes back. He's only got one cap. And yeah. suddenly comes in and is starting and, do, and does really well. You know, that would be one story. But that's relying on something quite big. Whereas Cole Palmer, you could get in the squad, could be thrown on for the last 10 minutes, suddenly does really well. And go, actually, think maybe we'll start him with regards to that. Well, do you know what could happen is that people could just love the fact that, say, in the quarterfinal, he scores his penalty in the shootout <laughs> and looks amazing at it. And everyone goes, Cole Palmer's great. I, th- I think Cole Palmer's a good shower. I, Eberetri Eze. I don't think he'll make it. Do you not think he'll make the squad? No. Okay, well, that shoots me down. No, but no, it's, your, it's your opinion. I, I okay. just, well, I think you've got to be creative with the answer. Yeah. And if, if I am picking my you know, squad, there's maybe not that many surprises in there. And you know, to try and say Tony or someone like Watkins, they're not going to play if all's well. Whereas a Cole Palmer, I think, is maybe a good shout. So you're saying Palmer. I'll, I'll say Eze. Okay. Vish isn't here. and he, I know he will love that, the fact that I've, uh, <laughs> I've said that. I love Eze. I just don't think he'll get picked. Yeah, okay. i uh, got a question here from Tam Askin, who says, if one player was to get injured... Who would be the most disastrous for England? He's put Kane, question mark. Jude, question mark. I think you've answered your own question. I think, I think the only two players that is, where it's an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. We pick I, one. I probably, well, I would say Jude Bellingham 
if I had to, if I was forced to pick just one, I'd say Jude Bellingham. But I also acknowledge what Harry Kane means as a symbol for that squad. I think, yeah, I think everyone Ka- looks up. To I him. think Kane is the answer to that question Fine. because Jude Bellingham um, goes out the side. That that is a shame. But the way he was played at the World Cup, you could have someone fit in on that system with Rice as the pivot. Yeah, but I, I think Jude Bellingham is the best player in the world. That's so fine. That's part of it. That's fine. But you've also got what, look what they've done for the England side and whatnot. And he's been more recent. Also, James Madison is the replacement. Madison isn't as good as Bellingham currently, but Madison, I think, is a player that gets people excited. And people think, oh, actually, that's not a bad replacement because there's a lot of people who are trying so to get So the drop-off is not as big as Exactly, what you're whereas yeah. with, with Kane, it's suddenly like, oof, okay, yeah. is Tony going to come back and hit the ground running? Is it going to be Ollie Watkins? It's a huge drop-off. Yeah, Even though that, that's not a slight on those two, it's just how good Kane is. I think John Stones would be another one, but I think you're getting a bit further down the pecking order, so yeah. Yeah, Stones would probably be third, I'd say. Mm. Um, okay, and then um, Bailey. Hello to you, Bailey. Bailey said, "Who is England's nightmare opponent at the Euros?" As we sit here today, France, because they're the best side in the competition for me. But also, I would still say Spain because I still think England struggle against a side who can keep the ball. I was at the game against Italy; didn't need to be at it as long as you watched it somewhere, um, and you can just see that there were moments when the Italians, not a good Italy side, I thought England were good value for the victory, but. Italy, they went ahead and they could have got a second goal and it's that intricate passing, knocking it around, that England will still need another generation or two or whatever to produce that type of football. When players, when opposition players can keep the ball and they can knock it about very, very nicely, we've seen sides who on paper were poorer than England in the past beat England or cause England problems because of that. England won in Naples against Italy, to use another Italian example in, in, in the context of England. You saw that second half. England were then entrenched in their own box Okay, they got a sending off and they just couldn't get the ball off Italy. They won the game, of course. Look, I take all those points. I think the answer is France. Yeah. I think that's the obvious answer. England will I think England will beat any other team. And and if we're going to talk about Spain specifically, I didn't know you were going to say Spain, but if we're talking about Spain specifically, mm-hmm. how do people beat how do teams beat Spain? Well, based on what I've seen in the last calendar year, so mm-hmm. we take into account the World Cup. They've been beaten by teams who are really intense, who really go after them, who really put them under pressure. Japan did it in the World Cup. Morocco did it in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, they won on penalties, but they, they got past them, yeah. Um, and Scotland did it at Hamden. They just put them under huge amounts of pressure, mm-hmm. create an intense atmosphere, and really make it tough. It's no coincidence that Scotland at Hamden, Japan, and Morocco... Japan? Mor- yeah, yeah. Morocco got to the semi-final by being really fucking intense yep. and really pushing it and going, you can be as technically good as you want, but this game ain't just about that. Yep. And you're about to find that out. Mm. If England can channel that, and yep. I think England actually are capable of doing that, yep. they'll beat Spain, I believe. I, I don't know if they'll beat France. You put any other European team in front of me, as I sit here now, I can easily convince myself England will beat them. I can't do it with France. <laughs> that doesn't mean they won't beat them. I know what you mean. Even with the France thing, there's an element of kind of redemption about it, mm. which possibly could be channeled. Mm-hmm. And that England have got the ability. I mean, France won't want to play England. No, no way. Because they'll think we had life and death against them last time mm. and we got through. They're going to be really motivated. And England and France are joint favourites across all the uh, betting companies in the country. So, you know, traditionally going into a tournament, betting companies do tend to kind of think England are better than they are. But I don't think that's the case at the moment. So the short answer is France. Um I think that's that. I think it's, that's, that's the only one we really need to worry we about. We need Switzerland to do us a solid. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't mean, by the way, and I think if you're <laughs> listening to this because you like listening to Marcus and I and you're not an England fan... God bless you. Yeah, 
I doesn't I'm, don't get don't get it twisted. I don't. I'm not saying England can't lose to anyone because mm. they can. If they have a shitty day, they'll yeah, go but out. No, but this is look. I understand the English media have continued to. Um, you know, embarrass themselves and whatnot. Sections of it, shouldn't say all, and 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 people can say, oh, well, the thing is, the English are very arrogant. So, well, no, that, that, as you say, they, they are the favourites. You know, it was a bit like when England played Scotland at the Euros last time, and some of the pundits were saying, well, England are going to be favourites, and you had some of the the Scottish pundits say after the game, oh, you all thought you were going to batter us. Like, well, you were calling yourselves the underdog before. You can't have it both ways. You know, so I think yeah. you're right to say that. But let's end uh, with this question uh, from Ben Mayhook, who says, does our tournament end, England's tournament, of course, does our tournament end with a Jude Bellingham red card or a Jude Bellingham miss penalty? <laughs> well, look, he's more likely to get <laughs> a red card. There we are, crashing back yeah. down to earth. He's, he's more likely to get a red card on the Easter miss a penalty, chiefly because uh, mm. Harry Kane will take the penalties. And Bellingham was right. Yeah, it's shoot out, shoot out. Oh yeah, true. Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah, I, I trust. I believe in Jude. Yeah. I trust him. I, I don't. I don't think. It, I, I totally understand what Ben's saying. I totally understand that there could be someone who, you know, quote unquote, lets us down. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it's a team game, so we shouldn't look at it like that. I don't think it'll be Bellingham. No. But listen, I look forward to Pete clipping this up <laughs> after the after the uh, after the quarterfinal defeat. Well, let's hope he never uses it. No, that's absolutely. Look, we should do more of these. This has been fun, and, and there'll be more information to come out as the draw gets made and mm. as England play again. So, um, we should definitely do more of these and, and see how the things change in the months coming up and leading up to the tournament. Absolutely. Thank you very much for listening to us at the Football Ramble here, part of the ACAS Creator Network. We're back tomorrow, of course, with the preview show. Do follow us on X, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Football Ramble. And don't forget, subscribe on your podcast app. Thank you, Luke. Thank you very much. Thank you, England. See you soon. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. 
Learn more at byheart.com.